0: Welcome to the practice of nonprofit leadership, episode number six. I'm Tim Barnes, and I'm Nathan Ruby. Well, here we are, Nathan. We're ready to jump into uh, some exciting stuff today. You doing okay?
1: I am doing okay. I am uh, locked and loaded and ready to roll. Nathan, I was telling
0: you um, earlier about an article that I read. CNBC published uh, back in early November, and you know we were we were going through the pandemic. Uh, during that time there was high unemployment and what what the article brought out was that a lot of unemployed workers began to look around and decided to put their efforts into solving problems in their communities um in 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 places where they saw somebody needs to stand up and do something about this and one of the responses as they as they did that was they began to start some nonprofits and so that it was the article was just talking about how many how many nonprofits and how many people stepped up during that time which is which is kind of a noble thing you know take your skills and take your interest and put something together but you and I both know that's going to be a bit of a
1: challenge right it is and you know nonprofits are usually well probably almost always started by somebody who says oh my gosh Somebody should do something, you know, about X, whatever that is. And even some of these, you know, huge global NGOs, it's somebody back in the twenties or thirties or forties or before that said somebody needs to do something. And so, I, you know, founders are an amazing group of people. And I, you know, as we as we go through this series. We are, you know, Tim, you and I know we, we've worked with founders and worked for founders. We, we love them. I, I think founders are great because they take something, they create something out of nothing. Founders, although, have sometimes people come into this uh, idea of building a nonprofit or starting a nonprofit, and they get so excited and they rush in. And they don't have a full understanding of what it takes to make this work. And so I think that was kind of what this episode, what we started with was, what is it that some things that founders, you know, should at least in order for their eyes to be open before they before they get started? And I think that's where we came up with today's uh, topic.
0: Yeah. So we want to just take some time today. Maybe you're one of those people who are sitting there going, I really want to do this. I'm going to start it. on profit, and I'm going to make a big difference. And we would say, woohoo, go for it. We'd love it. But there's some things you need to know. Well, Nathan, why don't we jump into uh, some of the points we have today about what it means to be a founder, what you need to know.
1: All right. Well, thanks, Tim. And, you know, uh, first of all, we're, we're doing five today. And if we are going to do all of the things that that somebody should know before they go into being a nonprofit, we'd need, this would be about a six hour show. So we're, we're going to keep it down to about 20 minutes here. So we'll just do five. But first off is really founders really need to understand what a nonprofit is and what it isn't. And at its very base roots, a nonprofit is a business that does not have to pay taxes, on access revenue generated over and above its expenses." Now, that may not sound like a controversial statement to, to you, but, but there's some, there's some uh, discussion within the nonprofit sector of whether nonprofits should be run as a business or not as a business. But regardless, irregardless of that conversation, a nonprofit is a business. It is a business that doesn't, because of its nonprofit status, does not have to pay taxes on excess revenue. Um, And the other difference is that excess revenue doesn't go to the benefit of the owner. It stays within the organization to continue to benefit the the outcome, the, the end user of the organization. So that's really important for people if you're starting a nonprofit, really, really understand that it is a business. It's a type of business. And excess revenue is a good thing and and Tim and I will argue that excess revenue on an annual basis is absolutely necessary to have a healthy and thriving nonprofit organization.
0: Part of the idea of being a business, Nathan is that you know a, you know we may not be making widgets, but we have a purpose. we have a mission. we have outcomes that we're going after, and we need to bring all the resources together to see that happen right? And so there's yeah, absolute the side
1: of it. And you know, as as our as the organization that I lead, when we when we go into budgeting, it is so much easier to plan next year's programs when we already have budget assigned, or you know, we know what our budget is going to be, or you know, we're coming off a really good fundraising year, and we know ahead of time, you know, some of the of the revenue that's already in you know already in the account so much easier to try to plan for the next year um, so don't underestimate how exciting it is for your new fledgling organization to have excess revenue on a year-to-year basis so number two um founders are biased towards their own ideas and you know this is not just a founder issue this is you know everybody everybody looks at the world through their own lens they they all you know, I do it, Tim, you do it. We all do it. We all think our own ideas are excellent and wonderful, and that other people's ideas are well, maybe they're maybe they're a little off base. Um, but founders tend to believe and and they they've thought about this idea. they they've seen something that needs to be done. You know, some they're they're saving puppies or they're feeding babies or they're whatever whatever their passion is. They've thought about it sometimes for years, and they've internalized it, and they've they've run it through their head, and they've planned for it, and they had they've they've generated this wonderful idea, and now they've decided they've done the paperwork, and they're ready to go. They're going to go, you know, start doing whatever it is that they're going to do, and sometimes and this is this is I see this all the time with brand new founders is they they have this fantastic idea, and they assume that everybody else is going to think that it's an excellent idea as well. And people in general, um, the vast majority of people don't get on board with brand new ideas as quickly as others. And there's a, there's a, a, a theory out there called the diffusion of innovation theory. Uh, it's split into one, two, three, four, five different areas, five different um, sectors. And the first one is called innovators. And actually, founders would normally fit into this, but the innovators are 2.5% of people of the population. And these are people that when they get in, hear a new idea or they experience something new, they jump on board right away. Yep. So think of it when uh, Tim and I are, are Apple people. Uh, <laughs> and so when Apple comes out with a new product, uh, I don't know if it's this way now, but used to be you'd have people lined up outside the Apple store, right? You know, around the block and waiting. They were buying that that day at midnight. Uh, those are the innova or those are the the innovators, the the people that are right on a new idea. That's only two point five percent of the population. Next is early adapters, and so these are people that you know they're not going to be standing in line uh, the, at midnight to to buy the new Apple Watch, but probably within the next two or three or four days, they're they're going to make a purchase. 13.5% of the population. Uh, early majority, 34%, late majority, 34%, and then the laggards, 16%. So the majority of people, the what is that? Uh, not very good at math, Tim. Four plus four is eight, three plus three is six. So sixty-eight percent of the population are are they're not, they're not gonna jump onto your idea right off the bat. They're the early majority and the late majority. So that that applies to your donors. It applies to your volunteers. It applies to, uh, like I said, even even the people that are going to benefit. People that are going to come to your organization for help. You know, they're, they're, the they're the majority of people are coming down the road, uh, and so you have to prepare for that. You 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 know when you open your door or you go do some of your early fundraising people aren't going to jump on board right away until you've got some history, until you've done some things, until you've got some stories to come and say, Hey, you know, this is, this is the problem we're solving. Here's how we've done it. Here's a story or two about how we did it.
0: I was going to say, Nathan, I think that's really important because I think founders can get so frustrated. It's like, why aren't you excited? Why aren't you as excited as I am? Why don't you get on board? And I think we we're trying to say, you know, people take time. Most people take time. They're going to need to trust you. They're going to need to understand the situation. And so as a founder, you're ready to go, but it takes a while to bring everybody else with you.
1: Yeah. You know, I do this with my wife. Sometimes I I have this idea and I, you know, I formulate it and I think about it and I process it and I'm ready to go. It makes perfect sense to me. And I share it with, with Missy and I say, okay, this, you know, here's my idea. This is what we're going to do. And she goes, what, what, what are we going to do? (laughs) And it irritates me because she's not on board with me. And, um, you know, she is not a she's she's not an innovator. She's not an early adapter. She's probably late majority to a laggard. You know, she has to be brought along in the process. And and I've I've learned that over time, Uh, sometimes not quite as much as I should. (laughs) But, you know, people, they just they need to have time to to understand and internalize what you're doing, which brings us to number three. Uh, and that is. This is most likely going to be the most difficult thing you have ever done. Um, this is not going to be easy. It's not going to be simple. It, it could very well be the most rewarding thing you've ever done. But this is not going to be easy. Um, and you know, in order to start an org- organization, it is first and foremost an exercise in recruiting, managing, inspiring, leading, and motivating people. Those are the some of the base skills that you need to be successful in launching your own uh, your own nonprofit. And you know, our our early advice to to founders, if those are some skill sets that maybe you're not quite as strong in or maybe lacking in, might be a good thing to kind of build some of those skills first before you launch into uh, into your nonprofit.
0: You know, it's really it's important, isn't it? Because you know, again, we are so motivated by the thing that's. That's driving us. The thing we're trying to change, the difference we're trying to make, and we don't realize that. Yes, we we're going to go after that, but it takes so much underneath that to make it happen. And so it's it's tough. It's something you've got to be working at every
1: day. So yeah. yeah. Um, and which brings us to our next point, and that is you can't do this by yourself. And by definition, many founders, not all, but many founders are type A driver personalities and they have a passion. You know, you can't, you can't start fr- something from scratch. I mean, literally if you were starting a nonprofit, you are taking something that doesn't exist and you are creating it. So you are starting from scratch. Um, or, you know, if you're, if you're a founder who's listening and you're a year or two years in, you know, you've, you've done that. You've created this, this, this thing that exists that didn't exist before. And I, I, how cool is that? I mean, I, that is, that is an amazing thing. Um, and so you got to have some type A personality in you to do that. And so, but founders will have a passion for, for what the organization is doing. Um, and maybe uh, in, in my experience, I've seen founders that have a, a secondary skill. Maybe it's what they did in their professional life. And so, you know, they may be good at accounting or they may be good at marketing or good at sales. You know, some secondary uh, uh, skill set that is applicable to the nonprofit world. But yeah, and I've been doing this a long time. Have I found a founder who has every type of skill that's needed to be successful in an organization? And, you know, a nonprofit needs administration it needs program development it needs fundraising it needs marketing it needs governance it needs accounting it needs finance it needs legal and on and on and on and founders just, just nobody has that many skills and so you have to from a from from the get go as a founder you have to be willing to let go and understand that i can't do this all by myself i need people to help me uh, and that is one of the big big uh uh hurdles that a lot of founders have,
0: you've heard it say this you've heard us say this before in other podcasts, but you can't do this alone. you You just can't. it it takes it takes people around you to help make this this happen. I shared with you, Nathan, when my wife and I started a business, um you know, we have a lot of skills. she's sales, she's out front. She's doing all kinds of stuff. I'm trying to kind of lay the foundation and keep her out of jail. That was my number one, uh, number one goal. Um, it's but a full-time you know, job, Tim. it is, it is a full-time <laughs> job. But uh, you know, one of the first things that we did was we realized we needed somebody who could be our bookkeeper. You know, we didn't we didn't need to hire a full-time bookkeeper, but we needed to, to have someone that could actually do that and and make sure the money was going where it needed to go and, and we had good records. That wasn't our strength. And so we we definitely went out and, and found somebody. And that's what as a founder, you need to know what you're really good at, what you can kind of do left-handed and get by. And then you need to find somebody who uh, you need to bring people around who have skills that you you just don't you don't have available to you. So
1: yeah, and that's part of the that's part of the skill that we we're talking about of of the leadership and the you know, if, if you need accounting help and marketing help and fundraising help and program development, and you're just starting as a as a, uh, as a a new organization, I can hear people listening saying, wait, I don't have a budget for that. I don't have money to pay all of that. And that's exactly the point. You know, you, you have to get started. You're probably going to have to find somebody to, to people to volunteer to do some of these things. You know, a volunteer, because you're a nonprofit, you could do this. People will volunteer to do your accounting. People may, may be able to get somebody to volunteer to do some of your marketing or your social media. And those are fine to get started, but you have to go find those people. And that's part of the the networking, the connecting and the uh, the leadership to find people to do that. Um, that's, yeah. It's also why this is, like, like we say, this will be one of the hardest things you've ever done in your life.
0: Nathan, I think your next point is something that um, you and I have had a lot of conversation around this. And I think it's a surprise to a lot of people when they start a, start a nonprofit.
1: Yeah, you uh, and the point here is that once you once you sign the documentation, once you sign those papers and you get notified from the from the IRS that you have your 501c3 number and you get, you know, the notification from the state that you've got your paperwork in order, this organization ceases to be the founders it is no longer the founder's organization with air quotes around it. It is the board's organization. The board owns the organization and the board is the one who makes decisions on behalf of the organization. Um, Now, until that time, until you sign on on the dotted line, Hey, if you're, you're a founder, it's your idea, you're developing it, you're building it, you're, you're putting it together, then it's your baby. You know, you, you get to do that. But but on the documentation paper, you have to list your initial board members, you know, three, four, five, six, whatever your number is. And uh, once you sign that, it's now the board's organization and they get to make decisions. Now, you may or may not be a board member. Um, and there's there's a lot of discussion on whether founders should be a board member or not. Uh, but it is now the now a group decision not an individual decision
0: do you feel like the founder loses their influence at that point
1: i don't think they lose their influence uh because the the founder is still going to have the general vision and mission of the organization and a lot of a lot of board members will defer to the founder's influence on major decisions like that but here's the risk that you take if you get a a founder that is a big personality right a, a big uh, a driving personality what the the found what i what I, we've seen in the past is the founder will put you know their their family members or their close friends on the board because they need a body they need somebody to fill this role they get them on there that becomes the board and then the board just becomes a rubber stamp or you know a yes person and whatever the founder wants the board approves and that is toxic for an organization. That is not um, that's not the role of the board. And um, you know what? We'll, on a on a different podcast, we'll have what the role of the board is. But you know the 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 role of the board is to push back and to and to help the help the leader of the organization make the best possible choices for the organization. And you know the board needs to be in tune and you know in sync with the with the leading whether it's the the executive director or the founder. Yes, they need to be in sync but they can't be a rubber stamp and so that's a that's a that's a very tight rope that's got to be walked between founders organization and boards organization the the other thing that i that i've seen a lot with founders and, and this comes back to the, also part of this last point of the organization is not yours that that every organization comes to a point where the organization has maxed out the founders ability Uh, now that could be early in the process. It could be later in the process, but at some point that always happens. Um, And that's when an organization really needs to understand that, okay, we've reached as a group, we've reached our capacity to, to make an impact with this organization. And so the board has to decide that's okay. We can, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna save every dog in a Four block radius. That's our purpose. And we're doing a really good job at that. And that's what we're going to do. Or to, if we're going to save every dog within an eight block period, we don't, we don't have the ability. We don't have the skill to do that. And that's, that's where it, the board has to step in and say, okay, founder, we need to, we need to bring in more talent to help us as we expand to eight blocks, because we don't, including you, Mr. or Ms. Founder, we don't have the ability to do it. Uh, we can only do four blocks. And those are tough, tough discussions.
0: And I think, you know, you might say, well, gee, we haven't even started anything. Why are we talking about, why are we talking about this? And I think what we're trying to say is you go into this with your eyes open that you need to go in holding things loosely. You have a passion to see this happen. You have a passion to make the difference uh, of the reason that you started the organization, but as you start this, hold it loosely and realize there may be a point where you need to bring somebody else in to take the reins because you, you, like you say, you've maxed out your area of giftedness or experience some of those those kind of things, and just just be open and be thinking about that as you as you start this. I think there's another thing that you need to know, or maybe another characteristic that you need to bring in. To this, this founding of an organization,
1: yeah, and that is uh, patience. Um, patience is this is not a sprint. This is a marathon, and this organization, this this thing, this uh, creation that you are creating out of nothing, it will take three or four times the amount of money you think it will, and three to four times, five times the length of time that you think it will take. To have a meaningful, thriving organization that that is fulfilling the vision and mission that you've set out for it. Uh, this is this is not a short term project. It it takes time, and uh, and a lot of effort and a lot of work. And I think a lot of back to your the article in the beginning uh, that you referenced Tim about people. You know, they they lost their job because of the pandemic, and they didn't have anything to do, and so it's like, oh, let's start a nonprofit. And awesome. That's great. But it's just, you know, you, you start off with little simple measurements, little simple goals, and it grows over time. It grows slowly. And a lot of founders will come in with big goals, big benchmarks, big metrics, and they just, they, they have a difficult time hitting that. And so you just, just know when you're starting this. It is going to take time and it is absolutely a marathon, not a sprint.
0: I think one of the things that we would encourage you as we've, as we've gone through just a few, a few things, and hopefully uh, you're saying, oh my gosh, (laughs) what am I getting into? And that that's good. And again, we're not telling you, we're not trying to discourage you. We're trying to help you be effective in realizing what it's going to take to do this. And I would just encourage you. I think one of the things that we've learned together is how important it is to build relationships with people who have had experiences um, doing that, you know, learn from them, realize that you may have a fantastic idea, but you don't know everything. And so look for those people that can be an encouragement, can speak truth, can, can call out, can bring uh, experience uh, and give you the best opportunity that you uh, is able to, to let you be successful in that.
1: Yeah. And I, I, I'll I reiterate, Tim, the same message. I mean, we're not in the slightest. We're not telling you not to do this. We're, we're encouraging. We think you should do this. We just want you to come in with your eyes open and and know some things before you get started. And you know, when you think about it, Tim, I, when you were talking there, it occurred to me, bo- both of us, our day jobs, we're working for organizations that were both started by founders and both started by by individuals who said something needs to be done and I guess I'm going to have to do it. And, you know, now, you know, one of our organizations is a million, million five and and the other, we're going to be pushing 600,000 this year. And, you know, both founders are like, oh my, I can't believe that, you know, this is the level of revenue this organization is at because when I started, it, it was just me and an idea. So it can happen. Uh, It's just it's just a journey that you have to go on. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the practice of nonprofit leadership, helping you navigate the murky, tumultuous waters of nonprofit leadership. Each week, we bring you a mixture of encouragement, information, stories and practical tools to make your journey just a little easier, more fun and helping you make a greater impact in the world. Would you like a deeper dive into today's topic? Then come on over to the Practice of Nonprofit Leadership website, where you will find resources and tools that you can use. Plus, you can connect with Tim and me. We'd love to hear from you. So to all you executive directors and those aspiring to be one, see you next week.